You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this final message from our Battles and Blessings series, Gans Dean uses 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5 to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual weapons we are given to defeat Satan and win the battle for our minds. Battles and Blessings, week 5. Welcome to church, everybody. So how are we doing? Are you well? Fantastic. I'm pleased to hear that. I'm well, too. Thanks for asking. <laughs> we're so used to asking and being asked how we're doing that it feels almost like a reflex, doesn't it? It's like, oh, how are you? I'm good. Yourself? I'm good. Yourself? You already asked me that. No, I just want to make sure <laughs> that you're well. And this is why I personally have taken a page from British comedian Sarah Milligan. She doesn't ask, how are you? She actually says, are you well? If you've ever run into me, that's actually how I ask. I don't say, how are you? I always ask, are you well? And I like this because I think that the best response for are you well, people are just going to say yes or no. It's the perfect way if you're an introvert or if you don't want to share too much detail. It's just like, oh, hi, are you well? Yes, done. Unless you ask someone who really likes to share. In which case, there's no way to stop it. Are you well? Uh, yes, I'm fine. Uh, so, sorry, I've been burping all day. <laughs> Garlic. <laughs> sorry, TMI. Because there are people like that, right? By the way, I drank a lot of carbonated stuff to make that burp. So that's the investment that we have here at the church. <laughs> and how are you? It's also something that for me feels very uniquely Australian. You know what I mean? Back home in the Philippines, I visited last November, and I found the asking of how are you or are you well a hard habit to break. So when I was in line at Jollibee, which is like the Philippine version of McDonald's, there was a server. It's like, um, welcome to Jollibee. Can I take your order, sir? And they don't sound like that. They do. Um, and so I was like, hi, I said, how are you? And she goes, huh? How are you? Kamusta ka? Uh, uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, I'm okay. Double yam? I think I broke her. <laughs> Today I'm hoping to break something else. Not wind. Breaking wind is not part of the plan, but if I do, I will stay beside Theo and I will blame him. Today I'm hoping to break a few mindsets. All right? We are in the final week of our Battles and Blessings series, and today we're talking about a battle that I'm very familiar with. The battle for the waistline. No, I'm kidding. The battle for the mind. The battle for the mind. And the mind isn't just the venue of the battle. It's the prize. Yes, it's the prize. In a battle, there are two sides. There are two opposing sides. All hope for the victory and all expect to win the prize. So in the battle of the waistline, it's my willpower versus Ben and Jerry's. For the battle of the mind, it's us versus anybody? Satan. Very good. Satan, as some of you may know him, he's the prince of darkness. Lucifer. Beelzebub. The evil one. And he is after your mind because it is one of the most valuable things that he can get his hands on. Satan is our enemy. It says here, be alert. Did I choose that? Be alert. I didn't. Okay, so be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. First Peter 5 verse 8. Satan 
is always watching. Satan is always tempting. He's always lying. Are you in debt? He will say, you'll always be poor. Are you rich? He'll say, eh, you don't need God. Are you single and lonely? He'll say, you'll never find someone. Are you married and happy? He'll say, there's someone better out there. Are you fat? He'll say, you'll never lose weight. Are you fit, intelligent, good-looking, wealthy, and tall? I think you made a deal with Satan. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm so jealous. Satan, he never gives up. He never stops. He's always at it. He's calling. He's reaching out. He's tempting you. He's guilting you until you finally say, all right, all right, all right. I'm in. I'm in. The battle for your mind against Satan is always on. And if you want to change for the better, you cannot run away from the issue. You cannot run away from the enemy. If every day feels like a daily battle against low self-esteem, against anger, against cellulite, against relational issues, against lust, against cellulite, against financial irresponsibility, against pride, against cellulite, you, what? Some issues are stronger than others. You need to face the issue and the evil behind it. Craig Rochelle says, you cannot change what you do not confront. And we need to confront Satan today and take control of the battle for our minds. Let's take a look at the verse that we'll be using, which is from 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. If not, you can look at this. I did my best to make it nice and big. And for those of you who cannot read it from the back, uh, please go online, take a look at that. Alternatively, you may just decide to fill up one of the chairs here in front. A lot are available. So, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Say power. power. To destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Let's pray. Lord, open our minds and our hearts to what you have to tell us today. And Lord, when we say open our minds, this is something that we pray for every time we're at church. But God, especially today, we pray, Father, help us see the different strongholds that are stopping us from being able to live our fullest lives in you. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to what you have to tell us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's how important our minds are, if you will. Um, if your, your, your brain is like, imagine, if you will, your brain is like a cell phone, okay? iPhone, not Android. <laughs> no, sorry. You are a phone that's able to connect to 5G, okay? But for some reason, you're not able to connect to the network, right? And so maybe you're in 3G, or maybe you can't connect at all. What do you do? So maybe you try to troubleshoot. Maybe you remove the SIM. Maybe you restart. You do whatever you can to connect. You try to fix it, but you can't. There's something inside is damaged, and you're unable to connect to the network, and you therefore can't use it. The mind is also like that. It's designed to connect to God, but sometimes something breaks, and the connection can't take place. And so how do we fix that? Unlike mobile phones, you can't throw your mind out and replace it with the latest model. There is no mind phone Pro Max. You can, right? So what do we need to do? We need to do three Ps with our minds. First, 
we need to protect our minds. Verse 3 here says, for, the, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The battle for sin always begins in the mind. It's a dual battle. It's a battle in the physical realm, but it's the flesh, yeah? But it's also a battle in the spiritual realm. That's the divine part. I love that part because... When Paul writes, though we walk in the flesh, he's referring to the physical part of it. When he says divine power, he's talking about the spiritual side of it. What that means is the battle may be in the physical world, but the way to defeat the battle is we need spiritual tools. We need spiritual weapons. So you think money, maybe money can help me with my issues. No, it won't work. You think maybe power will help me in the physical world. It might, but it will eventually fail. Violence, maybe, maybe, maybe power and strength and, 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 and bulldozing your way through might work. It might at the start. In the long term, it will ultimately fail. Any human interference based in the physical world may work for a time, but ultimately it will fail. Why? Because to win this battle, we need weapons that are not of the flesh. We need weapons that are divine. So the spiritual weapons that we need to destroy these strongholds, what do these look like? There are two kinds of strongholds that can corrupt our knowledge of God. The first one is the personal attitude. These are the attitudes that can stop us from walking fully in the power of God. So that could be worry, that could be pride, that could be guilt, that could be envy, that could be insecurity, that could be lust. It could also be the worldviews or the thought systems. This is the insidious part. When you, we are in the world, but we are not of it. But we are still surrounded by all these systems, these thought systems, these worldviews that can take us and corrupt our relationship with God that if it comes so closely in us, it breaks the phone and we cannot connect. So what are these, some of these worldviews? It could be atheism. It could be secularism. It could be relativism, all the isms. It can be any system that diminishes the power of God and raises something or someone else to be the source of power. So these two strongholds, how do we therefore break that? Our job is to destroy these strongholds, to break these mental blocks, these unhelpful attitudes. How do we destroy them? Number two, the way to win the battle, we need to purify our minds. There we go. Okay, Paul wrote that we need to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought? Why does every thought need to be taken captive? Paul says here in Romans 7:19, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Because our, our minds can be difficult. Yeah. It's not just a heart attitude. It's also a mind attitude. The Gans version of this is, I do not eat the food I want, but the junk food I do not want is what I keep eating. That's the Gans translation. And if you need proof, I literally was eating Cheetos while making my message. It's not enough for you, please don't take a picture. <laughs> no, it's not enough for your heart to want something. Your mind must also be in it as well, right? It's not enough for my heart to say, I want to be thin, 
my mind needs to be in it as well because my mind needs to tell my heart, you need to work out. This is not in the script, but I'm preaching to myself right now. Your mind has to be in it because the heart can be deceitful. Yeah? Yeah? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. Well, I'm pretty sure the stomach is right up there. If either is deceitful, we will fall prey to sin full stop right? So we need to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. To do this, we need to purify our minds. We need to renew our minds. And the best way to do this is through God's Word. Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is nothing like the Word of God to speak truth to our hearts and to our minds. When we regularly and sincerely encounter God in the Word, in the Scriptures, His Word will slowly begin to transform us from the inside out. It'll start to mold us, and eventually our hearts will gravitate towards Him and not to the world. I'm going to move off script again. Any of you guys start a Bible reading plan this year? Anybody? Okay. It's always a good idea to do a Bible reading plan at the start of the year. And if you're on an app like the Bible app, for example, you know how it does these streaks, right? That can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. If you're an achiever type person, you're like, oh, I need to keep the streak going. But if you suddenly miss one day for whatever reason, the streak is broken, you're like, ah! It's not about the streak. But it is a good reminder that as you're going through the Word, you're starting to make it a habit, right? And then it becomes a habit, it becomes easier for you. It becomes more natural to you. I love that when she wakes up in the mornings, my wife automatically opens her Bible app. I do too. But before I open my Bible app, I put on my, my shocks so that it's quiet, right? But in the morning, starting the day with the Word of God, if that's the first thing a habit, it becomes a habit, it becomes second nature, your mind becomes set, your heart becomes set, your body becomes set. So just moving that off the, um, off the script. Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what it is, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know God? Read His Word. Want to know how to renew your mind? Read His Word. Want to know how to live a life that's pleasing to God? Read His Word. Want to clean your dirty mind? Read His Word. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus swept. That's the best joke I have for you today. I laughed so much when I made that. I'm so sad I didn't get the response it wanted. Oh. Oh. I'll scrap that off the podcast. Oh. Can you fake the laughter so I can put it in? <laughs> no. I thought it was the best joke of the day, you guys. Come on, Jesus swept? Come on. No. It's really Jesus what? Jesus wept. Very good. And when Jesus was tired, Jesus slept. Good job. Yes. Finally, if we think we can accomplish all of this on our own, we are sadly mistaken. The third way by which we can win the battle for our minds, protect our minds, purify our minds, and finally, partner with the Holy Spirit to strengthen our minds. I absolutely love this. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Paul often links the Holy Spirit to power, which is essential for fighting any battle, eh? When we rely on the Holy Spirit, we can trust the Holy Spirit will empower us to be able to fight this battle. We can trust the Holy Spirit will empower us to strengthen our minds. John 14, 26, the advocate, another translation says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Right? Frankly, whatever you're struggling with, if you, the Holy Spirit lives in you, if you call upon the Holy Spirit, that has been my experience. When I get tempted and I call the Holy Spirit, he'll just start dropping verses into my head. Or he'll just stop dropping faces into my head of the people I'll be hurting if I push through with this particular sin. He'll be reminding me of situations where I was able to overcome before. He'll remind me of situations where I didn't overcome. And he reminds me of the consequences that happened. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He is there. All we need to do is call. So when we read in our main verse that the weapons of warfare have divine power to destroy strongholds, we can trust these weapons are from the Spirit. I'd love to show you this. It's super long. So what I did is I just went down to the main points of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 11, the verse that lists the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit. What are these gifts? Wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, fear of the Lord. Remember earlier we talked about the two kinds of strongholds. We're talking about physical, uh, phys we're talking about um, personal attributes and we're talking about world thought systems. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are our spiritual weapons to defeat those strongholds. For example, if we're dealing with someone who's trying to undermine God's power, you're talking to an atheist, you're talking to someone who is giving a worldview that's different from your own. Wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom. The Holy Spirit also gives understanding. So it's not just for me, certainly for me. The Holy Spirit will give me wisdom. Wisdom is different from knowledge. Knowledge is knowing, but wisdom implies an emotional connection. Where if I'm talking to an atheist, and the atheist is trying to convince me, I could take my knowledge and spit verses at him. That won't win him over to Jesus. So wisdom comes in, and maybe the Spirit says, you know what, don't fight, just listen. Invite him for coffee, and then maybe you'll find out later on. He had an experience back then, and no one's ever listened to him about that situation. No one ever cared. Maybe he's in church, maybe he fell away because people were judging him. Wisdom comes in. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And you can use that to break down not just your strongholds, but maybe someone else's. Yeah. I love that. We need piety and fear of the Lord when we need to resist temptation, when it stares at us in the face. Fear of the Lord, whether it's an attractive person in front of us or whether it's a cheesecake. The fear of the Lord will stop us and remind us of what we need to do. Fortitude. Fortitude is the strength of character that enables a person to endure pain or adversity with courage. Anybody here ever been persecuted for their faith? You can raise your hand, absolutely. Yeah. We need the Holy Spirit to endure when we are mocked for our faith. 
when we undergo persecution, when we go through personal trials. We need that fortitude. And the enemy will use any situation to try to create thoughts that will push us away from God. The Holy Spirit will give us the divine power and the tools we need to face these destructive thoughts and destroy them. So, in the battle against Satan, remember, you're never alone. The Holy Spirit is always with you. He lives inside you. When you invited Jesus into your heart, you invited the Holy Spirit inside as well. It's a three-for-one package deal. So, we are called to protect our minds, purify our minds, and partner with the Holy Spirit to strengthen our minds. The three Ps, right? To make this more practical, and this is where we'll apply what that looks like, here are four principles you can apply as you start to strengthen your mind. First is the replacement principle. Okay, lies are Satan's weapons. I'll say that again. Lies are Satan's weapons. When we believe them, they start to affect our minds and our lives. When we learn to identify these lies, we can then choose not to believe them and replace it with godly truth. So what does it look like? We identify the problem, we ask ourselves some questions, we pinpoint the lie, and we replace it with truth. For example, one problem might be, I'm always in debt. Ask yourself questions like, what am I spending my money on? What is driving this behavior? When did it start? Why do I feel this way after doing it? What is the real need that I'm trying to meet? So you ask these questions, right? And then you pinpoint the lie. Maybe there's a lie behind it that you actually believe. So does it make you happy? Maybe you don't believe that God is your ultimate source of joy. Does it make you feel important or that other people will like you more because you buy them gifts? Maybe you believe that you're only valuable because you have money. Or you're only valuable and appreciated when you give people things. Maybe you, don't, maybe you think that you're not valuable enough to God or to others just as you are. Do you spend money on get-rich-quick schemes like the lottery? Maybe you don't trust that God can provide for you. By the way, a friend of mine won $12. Once you identify the lie, you can set yourself free with truth. And all the truth is available for you in the scripture. Right? God's promises are so abundant on everything from identity to provision to whatever it is. To healing, it's all there. God is the ultimate source of joy. God loves you and views you as valuable. He loves you so much that he gave his only son for your salvation. How he will provide for you. How he will care for you. How he will love you. How he will protect you. It's all there. It's all there. The second principle is called the rewire principle. So once you declare the truth, you know God is my provider. God is my healer. God is my salvation. God, whatever it is that's identifying that lie. Once you declare the truth, you can then create what Craig Rochelle calls trenches of truth. This is where we hardwire our brains by constantly repeating the truth. In the process, over time, this replaces the previous thoughts as well as it stops you from believing the lies behind them. Once we declare the truth, we create new trenches of truth and we hardwire our brains, we repeat the truth, it eventually becomes part of us, and we start ruminating. Ooh, big word. We meditate on the truth. And then when we understand it, we start to believe it, it becomes part of our core. 
Be strong and courageous, cats, is that yours? I love that. Be strong and courageous, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. That's a great life verse. That's fantastic. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Psalm 23, verse 1, I love that. So good. My personal life verse is Nahum 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble, and he cares for those who trust in him. I have spent so much time on this verse over my more than 20 years as a Christian that it brings me such joy. That's the purpose of life verse. And when you meditate on scripture, it's not just read it. Look at the verse and see what truths it tells you. For me, even just the Lord is good. The Lord, Lord is someone who has power and authority over something. But Lord is also God. So therefore, when I say Lord, I'm declaring that this Lord is God over all other gods. Is. It's not was. It's not will be. Is, meaning the Lord, my Lord, is here. He's alive. He's here. Good. And good can be however you choose to define good. Good has so many implications. Everything we have that you have come to associate with good works for you, whatever your situation is. So he is good, generous. The Lord is good. He is kind. The Lord is good. He is forgiving. The Lord is good. However, good is. And that's just from four words. When you sit and you meditate on the word and you look at the words that they choose, the words that go into the spirit-anointed word of God, there's so much that can tell you. And you know what's fun? Looking at translations. You can see how it's differently, how it's used differently. Even earlier, the verse I had about the Holy Spirit, it said advocate. Another verse says helper. So advocate for the people who are unique people. Helper for those people who finish year 12. I don't know. Um, it's easier. You can talk to someone, you can talk to a five-year-old and say, the Holy Spirit is your helper. So many ways to do it, right? And we haven't even gotten, to, for my verse, we haven't gotten to a refuge in times of trouble and he cares for those who trust in him. You can spend so much time on that. The third principle is reframing. And this is, <laughs> I love when I was talking to Kathy about this. She's in psychology, and so she knows what cognitive bias is. I had to, like, really understand it. Because, cognitive, we bias. Um, whatever happens to us, it's affected by how we see the situation. That's called cognitive bias. So when we choose to see things a certain way, we need to reframe them. So for example, Paul. Paul wrote, he had, he had, he had a plan to go to Rome and preach to the leaders so that maybe Rome would then become this launching pad for sending people out for the gospel. Paul did go to Rome, but it wasn't to preach to the leaders. He ended up in prison. Eh. He ended up preaching to the prisoners. So for Paul, his plan didn't quite go according to how he wanted. But if you reframe how you look at it, this is still a different opportunity for me. I can still do something with this. It's how we choose to look at things and reframe our situations. When we do that, 
it takes the power out of the negative and it refocuses us on what God's plan is for us. So we focus to God. And that's reframing. Finally, the rejoicing principle. Knowing we don't have a lot of control over, over other things can be a cause of alarm, but people who are armed with the truth of God, they know that they don't have to panic. They don't have to worry about issues because they know that God is present. They know that God brings peace, which can overcome any problem. So when we are in difficult situations, sometimes the best thing to do is to rejoice, to praise through the pain. Remember when Paul was in prison? What did he do? He he sang. And the Bible doesn't tell us if he, had a, if he had a great voice. The Bible didn't tell us if he was just some Kelly Clarkson locked up in the caves. He just said he sang, so he didn't care. And you know what? When he sang, over time, people could hear him. And what did that music, what did those words do to those people? I'll bet you it started to do something in their hearts. And over time, Paul's witness helped win people for God. So when we are in tough situations and we don't know what to do, maybe we can just, well, sing, yes. We can just rejoice. And it doesn't mean that we have to sing. Rejoicing means just celebrating. Are we supposed to celebrate bad things? No. But we can celebrate that we are in that situation because we know God's about to do something great. We know that we can celebrate because we know that God is about to teach us a new lesson. So, if you liked what you heard today, I would love to recommend this book by Craig Groeschel, Winning the War in Your Mind. A lot of the stuff that we talked about today is available in this book. And if you want, this QR code can lead you to a seven-day devotional that features the main points from this book. If you feel that you need to replace something, you need to rewire something, you need to reframe something, this is a great way to start. Not that I'm promoting the book or anything, but we all need tools every now and then, eh? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time you've given us and for every man, woman, and child here. Lord, I pray, bless this weekend ahead. We pray that it'll be a good one full of just joy and fun. Help us enjoy uh, the time that we have with the people we're seeing. Um, help us find rest also, Lord, for, for our own personal Sabbaths. And Lord, I pray um, also keep it cool. Help us, Lord, uh, because tomorrow's going to be really hot. So I pray, Father, that you'll just be with us and help, uh, help us really just enjoy this time. And bless the weekend ahead in Jesus' holy name. And God's people said, amen. And amen. Can we give him praise, church? Thank you very much for being with us today. And don't forget to join us again next week because there will be a new series. Also, there will be an expound this Thursday, so we'd love to see you at our Bible study. Have a great weekend, ahead, everyone, and we'll see you next week. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every Saturday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungalan. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.